welcome to Gather in Christ. I'm Andrea Lindsay, and we're here with Kendra George, and we are going to be discussing Think Celestial Still, but we want to talk about addictions and how the gospel of Jesus Christ can help us to overcome addiction. And understanding the doctrine really does help us to access greater heavenly power. And we are not doing these things alone. So we, we want to kind of dive in and talk about really what overcoming addiction, um, the resources that the church has, the things that we can um, do medically for, for these kinds of things, and just understand the concept a little bit better. I think to look very far to see addiction and what happens and the destruction of family and lives. Um, how do we intervene? How do we help? And, and information is powerful. So we want to give some of that information today of what we can do to um, raise our sights and focus most on the doctrine and how the doctrine will help us to overcome those things. For those of you that are tuning in and don't know us very well, we are old buddies from the mission. Okay, we were mission companions. And Kendra teaches early morning seminary in Washington, and I teach volunteer institute here in Utah. So what else should we tell them? Should we, we should... uh, geez, I don't know. I mean, there's just so much. <laughs> There is like, we're getting older. So like we, we go back a long ways. So if you have any questions, email us. There we go. There you go. Oh, that's a good, that's a good point. Okay. Gathering Christ at gmail.com is our email. So you can contact us that way. If you want to follow us on um, Facebook and and Instagram, we've got in gathering Christ on Instagram. Um, I also put them on mine pages, which are Speak Truth, Gathering Christ on Facebook, and it's author Andrea Lindsay on the Instagram. So you can follow us there and you can learn more about us. So yeah, yeah we good can point. Put some stuff I forgot on there. all about that. Yeah. So you can actually talk to us if you want, but through the- Yeah, email. that's right. Um, okay. So I think we're, as we're getting started into talking about addiction- I think it's so important to read what President Nelson said and the preface to the addiction, right? Why the addictions happen. But what President Nelson says in his talk, Think Celestial, is as you think celestial, you will find yourself avoiding anything that robs you of your agency. Any addiction, be it gaming, gambling, debt, drugs, alcohol, anger, pornography, sex, or even food offends God. Why? Because your obsession becomes your God. You look to it rather than to him for solace. I think that's really important that we start with agency as we move into talking about addiction. This morning in seminary, I wrote a, drew a mountain on the whiteboard and we talked about climbing a mountain. What is our climb? How are we climbing towards becoming Christ-like. And they wrote down descriptions and goals of the things that they were trying to do to become more Christ-like under the mountain. And we talked about how the mountain is not a straight climb. It veers, it has hills and valleys, it switchbacks, right? When you're on a hike and you're you're climbing, and we know this, this is a very easy analogy and metaphor for life, right? We are all on this climb. And the thing that I love is that agency is the key. Agency and the atonement are the power that we have in order to help us on this climb. One of the things that really stood out to me when I was thinking about this and going over it is a quote that is by James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits. And the one thing that he says is no single instance will transform your beliefs but every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. And so as the vote builds up, so does the evidence of our identity. He said, that's why habits are crucial. They cast repeated votes for being a certain type of person. And we talked about that in seminary this morning of what is our action? What is our vote being taken as we are climbing this mountain? 
It's the small and simple things that great things are brought to pass. It's every action we take. And I let them know that, you know, I am one talking about addiction. The thing that stood out to me when President Nelson said that quote was even food. I have had a serious problem with emotional eating. Um, It has affected me mentally. It has affected me spiritually. And it's been something I've struggled with a lot for a long time in my life. And I have let food take over my agency. I started health coaching a couple of years ago, and that was the most impactful thing that I had learned at the time. I think I always knew it, that I, I had control, but for whatever reason, it's where it really stuck is that I really do every action I take is casting a vote for the person that I want to become. If I want to be better at my emotional eating and have it not be so controlling over me, I may go from eating five cookies and my favorite treat is a graham cracker with peanut butter and chocolate chips on it and a pie and, and whatever to saying, okay, you know what? I can forgive myself for that choice I just made, what is my next choice? My next choice can be an apple. It doesn't, I think we get into this mindset of it's all or nothing. Well, I screwed up this morning. Therefore, the whole rest of the day, I just get to eat whatever I want because I already ate the cookie for breakfast. So now I can eat whatever I want. But I feel like that quote is so powerful is that every action we take is a vote for who we're wanting to become. And that agency, that power is so empowering when you think about it, Mm, because we have, we, we are the ones that make that choice. We're the ones casting that vote. Nobody's making us do it. So if we can start learning how to cast that vote in the direction of where we want to be, and start acting for ourselves, we become a lot more empowered and a lot happier. And I think those addictions, and granted, like I said, some are huge and some are small, but regardless, if any addiction is taking your agency away from you, there are always very simple, tiny things that can be done to start moving in the right direction. And one of that is simply stopping and remembering where you want to go and making that next choice something different. Oh, I thank you for getting us on the right track. As you were talking, I thought to myself, honestly, having a proper framework and understanding of God's plan that that he has put us on this earth to be tried and tested. This is one of the tests. Addiction can be quite the beast. And if we insert, maybe it is food. Maybe it's one of the other things that, you know, President Nelson was talking about. Anything that we put in front of God, that is the problem. He says the addiction becomes our God in things celestial. And anything that we're placing in front of him is going to blind our ability to see the path and our part in it. And what we need to be doing here in this life. And that's, of course, exactly what the adversary wants. So first, we need to have a knowledge of God, that he lives, that we have a savior who atoned for us and that we can access his grace and power. And we also Mm -hmm. need to know that there's opposition. We need to understand that there is an enemy. This is a really old quote, but it's a good one. Uh, President Joseph F. Smith taught, our first enemy we will find within ourselves. It's a good thing to overcome that enemy first and bring ourselves into subjection to the will of the Father and into strict obedience to the principles of life and salvation, which he has given to the world for the salvation of men. We first... I have to understand that the enemy within ourselves loves to connect with the greater enemy, the adversary. Okay. The adversary and the natural man and woman, they're best buddies. Okay. And in Mosiah 319, which is one of my favorites, it talks about putting off the natural man and becoming a saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ and that we can do this through the Savior. We can do this. Now, I'm take this quote 
of course, it originated with President Joseph F. Smith, but I take it from a talk that's called The Enemy Within, given to the priesthood on October 2000 by President James E. Faust. And President Faust, to me, was just one of the most meek. I really loved listening to him, and he changed my perspective. I remember him one time talking about um, looking forward to the opportunity he would have to apologize to, I think it was his grandmother for not filling the wood box and letting her do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my goodness, I need to look at repentance differently after that. It touched me that his humility was, that was what he was concerned about, missing the mark when he was younger. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, yeah. When we were younger. Oh, boy. But I think if we want our children to avoid some of these addictions, they need an internal compass. They need something to anchor themselves to. They need the Savior. They need to understand that Heavenly Father's always there for them. And I love scripture stories and how they can help us to learn from the mistakes and the triumphs of people that live before us so that we can be different. When yeah. um, I was teaching recovering our agency through the atonement of Jesus Christ and the institute I pre- I'm presently teaching is called Navigating Life with the Savior. And we cover all the hard. It's an addiction is one of the sections that we d- work on. And in one of the lessons we were talking about and c- comparing and contrasting King David with uh, Joseph of Egypt. And King David, of course, was very good in the beginning, right? And he Mm -hmm. he followed the Lord and he was doing what he was supposed to be doing and he was valiant, but his um, lust for Bathsheba took over and he, of course, kills Uriah, her husband. And it's just this horrible series of events that costs him his exaltation. And then we compared and contrasted the life of Joseph of Egypt and, and that he was a prisoner because he was standing up for what was right. Now, I think a lot of people can be poor me, pity me, you know, I'm in prison for 13 plus years and, and God has forgotten me, but he didn't, he didn't, he, he was challenged honestly to think celestial, to get out of where he was at. And the Lord, of course, makes him second in command to Pharaoh. He's able to save all his family and his his people. And this is, this is a good thing. But it starts off with this fight over chastity. And he mm-hmm. says, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? His relationship with God was such that he didn't want to go to the drugs. He didn't want to go to the the problems, you know, and I'm, I'm inserting drugs. Okay. Because we can liken the scriptures to ourselves right. so, so for our profit and learning, but he, he didn't have to, he didn't have to go after Potiphar's wife's seducing heart. He didn't have to, he could choose something different. And that relationship with God made him stronger. So I think a lot of times we look at addiction and we think of physical means, which are great. Okay. We totally recommend medical help, counseling help, and in overcoming addiction, that is absolutely critical, but God has to be part of it. And when we include him in the process, the healing's complete. Yeah, that is where the true change takes place. When you were talking, it reminded me of the Cherokee legend about the elderly brave who talks to his grandson, and it's about about just life in general. And the Cherokee chief tells the grandson, there's a battle in all of us that's between two wolves, right? And I'm sure a lot of people have heard this, um, but one of the wolves is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, addiction, guilt. And then he said, and the other wolf is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility. Um, and he said, you know, that fight is going on inside of each of us. And the grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, well, which wolf will win? And the grandfather said, it's the one you feed. 
And I think that's a really important, there was also a quote by Elder Robert D. Hells. It's a BYU devotional in September of 2010 called Our Essential Spiritual Agency. And he says, as we use our God-given agency to keep the commandments, we qualify for the life Heavenly Father wants us to have. In mortality, the life unfolds through natural process of making choices and experiencing tests and trials. And the blessings come after the tests and trials and from how we handle them. The prophet Joseph Smith provides an ideal example. Think of the process of this life. He exercised his agency to seek which church was right. He chose to talk to ministers and visit congregations. He chose to study the Bible. He chose to pray in the sacred grove. Through these choices, he was developed to accomplish his foreordained mission. This development takes time and testing and faith. And our actions do determine where our direction is going to go. That daily prayer, that scripture study, that knowing who we are, having that knowledge of who we are. And that was one thing that I asked the the kids today. I said, this challenge to become Christ-like is not easy. What challenges are you going to face? And is the challenge worth it? Why? Why are you doing it? And I wanted them to write that down. And I would ask, I would ask our listeners that. Where are you on your spiritual climb? Is addiction involved? Is there agency that needs to be rerouted, right? Because if every action is a vote for who we're wanting to become, I would ask, why are you doing it? Is the challenge worth it? I know in my own life, we've talked about this before in past episodes, knowing and understanding the plan of salvation and that I can have celestial glory is my why. And when I think about why I want celestial glory, I feel this empowerment and this peace of why wouldn't I want to live with God for eternity. And because I know that, what am I willing to sacrifice? What am I willing to do to get there? Sometimes the sacrifices are easy. Sometimes they're really, really, really hard. But if I know my why, it doesn't make it a lot easier, but it gives me a purpose as to why it's important to me. And therefore, my excuses are less. There's a quote that I learned that says, if your why isn't big enough, your excuses will be. And when we're talking about addiction and agency in general, if we don't know why we're doing something and it reaches down into our core and we've dug deep enough to know really why, not the surface why, why we really want to overcome the addiction. Why do we really want to have celestial glory? What is the motivating factor As soon as you know what the why is, that motivation starts planting that seed and digging inside of you that even if it's one action a day, and that's all you can do is one positive action a day to move you in the right direction, you're winning and you're going to be successful. And it's just the action of What do you want and why? And is it worth the challenge? Is it worth the work? Because it is work, right? President Nelson says it takes effort. Is it worth the effort to you to make those actions possible? And I think that's something that's really important. Which wolf are we feeding? Mm. Because we know that the addictive, the addiction, the easy choice, the easier right is always going to take less work, but mm. that's not where we grow. And that's not where we sustain change. It's doing the opposite and putting in the effort and the work. I think it's easier for me personally to put in the work when I have a true sense of self and the value. Yes. Of, you know, the worth of souls is great. And how much did it cost? It cost the savior's life in order to bring us back to our father in heaven, the only begotten of the father died. So because you're worth it. Yes. And if you don't believe that you need to keep praying to your heavenly father to understand that and allow the experiences that he will send in response to that prayer into your life. 
because you are worth it. I I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people get crippled. The problem with getting into an addictive pattern is that Satan gets in there and muddies up everything that's true and valuable. And, And one of those things is our identity as children of God. Because that mm-hmm. is the most powerful thing we have to fight him. We are mm-hmm. sons and daughters of God. And and it's one of the things we need if we want to reclaim our agency is to do that. And I think knowledge in the scriptures is powerful. Going to the Lord and his uh, chosen apostles and servants on the earth for our clarity and for our understanding is powerful. And I have found a lot of healing through the scriptures. Doctrine and Covenants 89.4 said, Behold, verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarn you by giving unto you the word of wisdom by revelation. Now, we know that the word of wisdom, that it includes not just what we abstain from, but what we need to partake of. Mm-hmm. And we have an opportunity in it to really live in abundance in America. And I know our listeners in other parts of the world don't may not have the kind of abundance that we live, but there is no excuses for people in America. We need to make sure that we are managing the Lord's blessings the way that he he needs us to. Yeah. In 1988, President Nelson, then Elder Nelson, gave a talk in the October 1988 General Conference called Addiction or Freedom. And you talked about, Kendra, how we have control and we need to recognize our control. So I think once we've reclaimed our identity back, when we know we're valued, when we know we're loved, then we have to start using our agency in corrective ways. And we Mm -hmm. need help in doing so. But first we need to choose to be alive is what he said, choose to believe, choose to change, choose to be different, choose to exercise and choose to be free. And he said exercise both physically and using our faith, that we need to Mm -hmm. exercise our faith. That honestly, the freedom, some people are afraid of freedom. They like the control. They like being told what to do. They like having everything laid out for them. But that really isn't the path that that we're on if we want to go back to the celestial kingdom and think celestial. Because we have to be able to listen to what the Spirit's guidance is for us personally, um, what our family needs to be doing, and getting over addiction will increase our ability to do that because addiction really does rob us from being able to tune into the Holy Ghost and to have that kind of freedom to know what to do with our family and how to help them. And so if we have struggling family members, we can just look at our lives. What can I sacrifice? You know, we were just talking about this before we started recording that sacrifice is what it takes. Obedience is what it takes. If we want power from the Lord. Yeah. I love reference on the gospel library for addiction. There's so much information there. Um, But one of the things in here that Elder Ballard is talking about, this is from Oh, the Cunning Plan of the Evil One in October 2010, and it's Russell M. Ballard. And he says, for those of you who have fallen prey to any kind of addiction, there is hope because God loves all of his children. And because the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ makes all all things possible, I have seen the marvelous blessings of recovery that can set one free from the chains of addiction. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want as we trust in the power of the atonement. I know the Lord can and will free the addicted from their bondage. For as the Apostle Paul proclaimed, I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. And I love the hope that that gives because whether it's an actual addiction is on a spectrum, right? I mean, anything that is taking us of our agency, that could be too much TV. That could be too much, too much of anything can be an addiction if it's taking us away from things that are most important or helping us find balance, right? And so I think we tend to look at addiction as, oh, well, that's not my problem. 
right? I don't have an issue with drugs and alcohol. I don't have an issue with pornography. I don't have an issue with eating, right? An eating disorder or gambling or that whole list, right? It may be as simply as, you know what? I play video games all day long, or I find addiction within my kids and their cell phones, right? That's a huge problem today with the youth and their social media. I mean, is it robbing you of finding balance with what is most important in life? That's the addiction. And I love the hope that Elder Ballard gives in saying that through the atonement of Christ, we can change, we can overcome these things. Will some be harder than others? Absolutely. But we are not doing it by ourselves. The Lord is with us every step of the way, and we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. But it goes back to what we were just saying. You have to know who you are, and you have to recognize and believe that you truly are a son and a daughter of God so that you can receive what the Lord is trying to help you receive. If we're closed off and we don't think that's possible for us, it's going to be a lot harder for the Lord to break through that barrier. And so I think I would ask you, because you've had more experience with this, what can we tell the listeners? How do we break through that barrier? Because we all recognize that there are forms of addiction that we deal with in our daily life. And I know in my own personal experience with my food, it was like, I just can't break through that wall. Like I really want to change. I really don't want this to be consuming my life anymore. How do I break through that wall so that I can feel the Lord's love? Because I didn't, I would say I had about an eight year period of time where I said, you know what? The Lord helps everybody, but me. And I had faith. I was still going to church. I was going through the motions of doing everything, hoping that Maybe he'll actually help me in this, but I didn't for such a long time feel like I could break through that addiction and break through that change to where, you know, people would say, oh, well, he is helping you. No, he's not. He's not helping me. That's how I felt because I had such a wall built up because I wasn't loving myself and I wasn't, therefore I couldn't feel God's love for me. So how do we, is there any things that you've learned in teaching your course that, that can help our listeners help? How do we break down that wall so we can recognize our true identity and start that process to getting rid of that addiction? I think the first thing, and, and, and you ask a very intelligent and thoughtful question. I think we first identify what the problem is. We also need to identify the right source of help. And the Holy Ghost is going to guide us. You know, we we have priesthood leaders that can point us in the directions of addiction recovery, um, the self-reliance courses that are offered through the stake. The life help section in the gospel library is incredible. And there's articles and so many things. But I think knowledge is, first of all, the most powerful thing. One of the things that we talk about in the course is knowing when you need counseling help. And we have a professional counselor come and talk. And what's nice is that because it's an institute class, we can incorporate gospel things. And so they love to come and bear their testimony of the Savior, talk about how he's the healer but also talk about how sometimes it's a negative thinking pattern and recognizing what that negative thinking pattern is and working on tested ways that help to identify and change that thinking pattern. And Mm -hmm. fasting is a huge, huge thing for addiction. If we can fast and if we can do family history, you may think this is crazy, but if you can do family history, pay your tithing, pay an honest fast, pay a generous fast, those things will give you spiritual power and over addictions. Yeah, go ahead. I'm happy to come back anytime because this looks good. You can't see her face, no. but I can. Okay, go ahead. This is so good because I we just showed a video last week in seminary about how family history redeemed a guy who was dealing with a pornography addiction. Yeah. It was fantastic. And that just what you were saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so right. I just <laughs> I watched this gentleman who had 
just completely gone away from the church and was in some serious, not just pornography, but all or other, other things that happen as a result. And, and he came, he came back and was talking to a family friend and he said, and the guy was like, yeah, I'm just, I started indexing. And this gentleman was like, what is indexing? And he said, as I was redeeming the dead by indexing, I had no more desire to look at that. I was too busy indexing to look at pornography. I was too busy helping the work on the other side of the veil that gradually it went and went and he had been excommunicated. And within two years, I think it took two years, he had been rebaptized and he said, redeeming the dead redeemed me. And I love, anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I love. No, 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 that was not an interruption. That was an inspired (laughs) thought that went perfectly with it. You know, because honestly, family history work is one of the most sanctifying things that we can do. And the nice thing is that if we're not worthy enough to go into the house of the Lord at at this time, we're always worthy enough, our family history and do indexing and those kinds of things. And those are the gateway and the opening of the doors to the temple. I feel like, you know, People are like, nah, no, that's too simple. And that's exactly what the Israelites said when they were asked to look at Moses' staff. It's too easy. You know, Mm -hmm. it actually is the simple things that make the biggest difference. It's like, are you reading your scriptures every day? Are you paying your tithing and doing a generous fast offering? Are you seeking to serve in your community? It is and will break the bonds of sin when we do that, because guess what? Our spirits will be fed. When you're talking about feeding the right wolf or whatever, if we're feeding the spirit, we'll recognize that the spiritual high is way better than anything else. And Kendra, you know, you talked about emotional eating, but I really, I, I think I was, of course, when I was younger, I was totally addicted to TV. I loved TV. Okay, that was total addiction. My husband would probably say I'm addicted to my cell phone right now because I am like on it constantly. I work on it. And I was telling my class, I'm like, I have to change the way I'm doing things because what am I presenting to my son? I am working and I do social media as part of my work, you know, and so I am on that. But my my son said to me, he's like, you know, if you did it on your computer, I would know you were working. But it's, when I see you on your phone, yeah. when I see you on your phone, I think you're just kind of giving off. And I'm like, that's a really good point. And I can make some, some shifts so that I am helpful. But one of the things, the addiction that I want to talk about is actually people pleasing. Mm. I think I was so crippled in choosing to now no one that knows me now would say this because they were like, you don't please anyone. You offend. (laughs) Okay. They would not say that about me now, but like there was a point in my life where I recognized that I was so worried about what other people thought or felt. And I needed that reinforcement. I needed the praise that I wasn't able to to lead the way and kind of do things that I was being prompted to do because I was crippled by, well, what will people think? They're going to think it's a nut job, you know, if I Uh do certain things. And I wasn't associating with the right people. One of the, and I've talked about this before, but it really had impact in different ways when I was told by a priesthood leader that I needed to watch my associations because if I was worried about people making fun of me, who in that world, who am I hanging out with? That's you know, true. I should, yeah, I true. should be hanging out with people <laughs> that are like, you go girl, you know, like that is an awesome thing. I'm so glad you've done that. You know, I had to first recognize that I had to first recognize, okay, my associations are pulling me down if I'm worried about mm-hmm. what they're going to say. And I need to have people around me that build me up. And, A support network is absolutely crucial in overcoming addiction. And I think the addiction recovery program, I have listened to people that have been missionaries in the addiction recovery program, and they are so fun to listen to. And they, they don't talk about anything that is, um, uh, confidential, but they just, they testify that miracles happen and they testify Mm -hmm. that they see the savior changing people. 
and their eyes light up and they are happy and it's so fun to watch them. It's so fun to see what they're doing. And a lot of them have had children in addictive kinds of situations. And what better way to help, even if your children aren't ready for the help yet, help other people that are ready and learn mm-hmm. along the way what your children need. And there are so many opportunities. I think, was it, wasn't it Elder Rasband in this last general conference talking about the need for missionaries, senior couples? Yes, yes. There is such an ability to fill local needs when you're working with addiction recovery or you're teaching the state classes. I'm a volunteer institute teacher. I feel like I'm on a mission, you know, like because mm-hmm. I don't get paid to do this. I just go in there and I try and do my best to help people. But the last thing I want to talk about uh, is medical help. There is medical help for addiction and there is things that we can do medically to get stabilized and to get better. And of course, working with medical professionals is wonderful. Because of the opiate crisis, uh, acupuncture was starting to be recognized as a way to overcome overuse of opiates and for pain. And they were just recognizing people that were managing their pain were becoming addicted because it's an addictive substance. And that if they used acupuncture, they used less medication. And so you may want to look into that. You you may want to just um, research that out a little bit. And you can type into Google any kind of situation, health concern or addiction and acupuncture or and and read the articles that come up and how people mm-hmm. have used that in in their progress and in their health. Massage therapy is a wonderful way to help get things moving because the problem with addiction is that sometimes the substances store in our body. So exercise actually is critical in overcoming it because you have to burn that out. You have to get rid of it. You have to cleanse it. You have to flush it. And and Mm -hmm. so exercise is huge in overcoming addiction. And working with trained professionals until you feel confident to do things on your own. There is no shame in asking for help because that is the true recognition of a fallen nature. We we all need to reach up to the Savior. And I'm so grateful that there are so many avenues of ways to get help. And we've seen, you know, this has always been an issue that I feel like as we near closer to the second coming, it becomes more and more prevalent, right? And There's a few things that I've thought about when you were talking as far as just the community and, and if we are not specifically dealing with anything, I think a lot of these same, because they are true principles, they apply in order. If you are not someone who is dealing with addiction, are you still doing the small things to lay hold upon the gospel of Jesus Christ and be spiritually focused so that you can be used as an instrument? One of the things that Again, Elder M. Russell Ballard said, this is in a different talk. This was October 2019 of General Conference, and it's entitled Giving Our Spirits Control Over Our Bodies. He says, learning to choose the things of the spirit over the things of the flesh is one of the primary reasons why this earthly experience is part of Heavenly Father's plan. It's also why the plan is built upon the solid, sure foundation of the atonement of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so that our sins, including our errors we make when we yield to the flesh, can be overcome through constant repentance, and we can live spiritually focused. Now is the time to control our bodily appetites to comply with the spiritual doctrine of Christ. This is why we must not procrastinate the day of our repentance. And I love that because he's saying we all need to make sure that we are having that active daily repentance in our life. Whether we're dealing with an addictive behavior or not, we need to be close to the spirit because we don't know when the Lord needs to use us as an instrument to help someone else and be part of their community and their support. There's another talk by, it was a BYU Hawaii devotional, and it's by James E. Halstrom, who was the Bishop of the Kalua First Ward. And I love what he said here. He said, here's the relevant doctrine. We grow closer to Heavenly Father and become more like Him when we choose to do spiritual things with good intent. When we consciously exercise our sacred, empowering moral agency, we are eternal spirits on earth having mortal experiences. Thoughtless habits here in mortality can rob us of our time and progression 
when they mechanically lead us. And then he goes on to talk about how important patterns are and how we need to change those patterns and what we can do to change those patterns. It's a really great talk. Um, We'll put it in the show notes as a reference just on habits and patterns and and how to become the person that we want to become. But all of this is just, for me, it just reinforces every time just how important are the small and simple things are in our agency and that desire to do something, right? The scriptures talk about, Alma talks about, if you have just a desire to believe, let that faith work in you, right? That seed has to be planted. And no matter where we're at on an addiction spectrum, is the seed of change planted so that we can start nurturing it? Oh, thank you. It is the small and simple things. I want to go to Matthew where uh, Jesus is approached by a man who has a son that is causing the child to just throw himself into the fire. I mean, they they deal um in verse 15 it says, "Lord, have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic, a sore and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Sometimes we may be frustrated because we've reached for help, and it it didn't come. And we even reached in the right places, and it didn't come. But I think the way Jesus both works with his apostles and this man is instructive. He says, And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out from him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto him, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit that this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fast. He said, you, you weren't able to do it because your faith wasn't sufficient. And here's how you get your faith stronger. Pray and fast. The law of the fast has been placed in our lives in order to help us to overcome the natural man. If we're living the law of the fast every month, we have the opportunity, including a generous fast offering. And I was reminded in church on Sunday that we we do not need to limit the youth that they don't have to pay fast offering. If they want the blessing of the fast and the fast offers, we can teach them younger to start Mm -hmm. contributing and to sacrifice in that way so that they can obtain the blessings from doing that. You know, we traditionally grew up differently sometimes and we were like, well, I don't have an income, so I don't need to pay a fast offering, you know, (laughs) that. Right. Right. And, and our parents do that for us. But, you know, when we went out on our own and we went to college, we realized, you know, oh, I need to start doing that, but we can do that younger. We can do that with our teenagers. We can do that with those that are struggling with addiction and, Mm -hmm. and give them an opportunity like in Alma to try their faith. Because if it's a good principle, it will grow and their faith will grow and they'll begin to see, oh, God is there for me and he is answering my prayers. But as you mentioned before, you you said to yourself, he helps everyone but me. Identifying that wrong thought is powerful because Mm -hmm. then you can fast it out. You can get rid of it through the fast and you can ask the Lord to change who you are to change the way you think, that you know that that's wrong thinking. You know that that doesn't apply to the gospel, but you need help to correct it. And it Mm -hmm. may have been with you. It may have been with generations before you in your family line, that wrong thought. But Mm -hmm. he he can help you and correct it through the fast. You can change. You can be different. It's impossible to go over everything that we can do for addiction in one segment. And 
we're reaching a time in which we probably need to be wrapping up what we're talking about. And yet there's so much more to talk about. So I would encourage you as you are going through your different crisis that you include priesthood counsel, that you seek after it. And I like to give them a little heads up and warning, okay? Because these men are busy at their jobs. They're trying to do their best. They're, this is a lay ministry. And if you give them a little heads up of, hey, I need to visit with you about this. Would you mind, you know, like, I really need your help. I guarantee you, okay, if you give them preparation time, (laughs) that they will be able to come to you and help you with the challenges that you are working with that in a much better way. Now, I've shocked bishops in the past too, asking them for like certain help that, you know, they weren't prepared to give. And I, I, you know, like spiritual discernment kinds of things. And I need you to discern whether this comes from God or not. And they were like, oh, <laughs> you know, but, but in trusting in the mantle, they were able to give me the right counsel and the help. And I think that we just need to utilize the tools that we have and that we can reach out for help, follow their counsel, be humble and recognize that sometimes the counsel may sound strange, like pay your tithing, what? Do your family history, what? Like, how could that actually help? But try and experiment. Be willing to put your faith into something that works. And we know it works. We know that, you know, if you go to the Lord, he is going to help you. But you will have to choose him. And you're going to have to choose to change. And you're going to have to choose to reach out for help. And I think that's the biggest thing is right there is the choice. You have to choose to do it. You have to be willing to do it. Naaman was asked to bathe what in the seven times, right? I mean, ridiculous, ridiculous. And, and it was that consistent exercise of that willingness to exercise that faith, to exercise the agency, that choice of, yeah, I can, I can do this. That made the difference. I know Elder Christofferson in his talk, Moral Discipline in October 19 or 2009, he says, moral discipline is the consistent exercise of agency to choose the right because it's right, even when it is hard. And I would add, even when it's easy, right? If it's a consistent, intentional effort, but he says it rejects the self-absorbed life in favor of developing character worthy of respect and true greatness through Christ-like service. Our ability to overcome the addictions that we may be experiencing, easy, hard. I mean, any addiction is hard, but some are on less on the scale than others. But that willingness, who was it in the conference? I, I don't, it's not on the top of my head. I think maybe it was Elder Razban talked about in the sacrament prayer that you're willing to take upon you the name of Christ. The the willing portion is a key word in overcoming addiction, in exercising our agency, choosing to believe. Are we willing to believe that? And that's what I had to do in that, in that eight year period of time. I wasn't willing to believe that I could be loved by my heavenly father. I wasn't willing to believe that I was worthy enough. And when I was able to change that story and change that pattern in my head, my whole world opened up and it wasn't easy to keep, you know, to just didn't happen overnight. I'm still in the process of it. And I've come a long way in just the last year of really recognizing and, and appreciating me for who I am. But it came, it had to come first with that willingness just to believe. I believe that I am a daughter of God. That's where it started. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe it yet, but I believe that it can be possible. And as I've nurtured that, as I've done some meditations, as I've done some different, you know, praying and fasting and making sure I'm in my scriptures and doing all of those things to choose the right, even when it's hard. And even when I don't feel good about myself, it has made a big difference. And am I there yet? No, I'm not. But I am way farther along than what I was before. And that can happen with 
any of us. I can testify that that works for any of us. God is not a respecter of persons. If we are willing to believe and we even pray that the Lord will help our unbelief, right? We can have miracles. That's where we'll see it. Faith comes, faith precedes the miracle. Our agency is our faith. Are we exercising that faith and willing to open ourselves up to the Lord so that he can help us and we can receive what he's giving? Yep. Well, I hope that you're willing to uh, join us another time. And if you haven't had, let's just say that you just heard about our podcast. You can go back and listen to any of them on Gathering Christ. We're on Apple Play, Spotify, and CastBox. And you can you can just go back. This is our 23rd episode. So if you have nice. missed a few along the way, they are still up and running and you can go back and listen to them. But uh, we really try to focus on the doctrines of the church, the basic doctrines of the church. Uh, we try and keep, we're trying desperately to make sure that we are supporting and sustaining our prophet pre- at this time as President Nelson. And we will continue to support as it as it changes, <laughs> because as, as one um, graduates from this life, we know that uh, the Lord's plan is perfect and he has established the pattern and that will go to the senior apostle and we will sustain him. And we hope to continue that pattern of just supporting and sustaining the prophet and using our experience and basic doctrine and knowledge of the scriptures and, and the supports and helps in, in doing and following them. So if, if you uh, find that appealing you can listen to those other episodes you can contact us through gatheringchrist at gmail.com for requests of what you would like us to focus on and cover with addictions there are so many um, things and places that we can go and we may come back to this at an in a future date but we hope that we shared something that is helpful to you and that you can follow the holy ghost and and in seeking after the right resources and help. There is so much out there. There are so many helpful avenues, but the Holy Ghost will lead you to the one that's right for you. Kendra, anything else, final advice that you would say? I just love reminding all of our listeners that we are doing better than we think. And I think that's important to remember is that the fact that we are trying is keeping us on that covenant path and we need to give ourselves grace. So when we talk about subjects like this, that can be difficult. And we recognize there's a lot of people going through really, really hard things when it comes to addiction. Just know that as you are trying, that try is a vote for the person that you want to become. And that will compound and you are doing better than you think. I love that. That was perfect. We'll see you next time.